Welcome to Maelstrom Radio Presents, Here With Me, a series about the stories people want to share about their journeys with mental illness, trauma, and negative thoughts. We are not professionals, nor are we a substitute for their professional diagnosis or treatments. Please enjoy, Here With Me. My name is Peter, a.k.a. Flattis. With me today is Steve, a.k.a. Wanderer from A Stage Reborn. Uh, hey, how's it going, Steve? It's going pretty well. Enjoying my Sunday. How are you doing today? Doing okay. Doing okay. Each day is a, a better and new day. So That's good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, share your story, and uh, we'll, we'll start on our, our discussion. Sure. So, um, I know some of, some of my friends, some of my staff members, some of my family know that, uh, about halfway through law school, um, it was actually after I founded a stage reborn, um, I went through a series of challenges. Um, some of them, I don't want to go into detail just because they're a little unfun to talk about. Uh, but those challenges ended up compounding into what became a diagnosis of having a anxiety and panic disorder. And now in my experience with it, you know, I always thought of anxiety and panic disorders as being something, you know, entirely mental. And now, you know, it's all in your head. And, you know, if you just meditate and do deep breathing, these things do help. But, you know, I just, I, I, I viewed it from an emotional standpoint until the day I experienced a debilitating panic attack that lasted for over three hours. Um, I remember I was on the phone with my fiance, Elisa, and she went off to the grocery store and I just had this feeling of dread. My heart was pounding. I felt, I don't want to say dizzy, but I thought it was dizziness. I, I, I wasn't understanding the physical things that were happening to me. Um, and so the, the last thing I thought was that it was a panic attack. I thought it was something happening to me physically, to my physical health. Um, and so, you know, I'm on the phone with her. I'm freaking out. I'm telling her she's got to get home. I might have to go to the hospital. I don't know what's going on with me. Uh, and then eventually I pass out on the couch. And, um, and, and that was the start of that. And that presented a huge amount of challenges with me. Um, I had to, uh, learn, you know, every, everything, everything changed after that change in my life. Everything became a challenge. Riding the bus to campus became a challenge. Um, you know, getting called on in class law school, they use a Socratic method. They randomly pull class members and say, you know, here, here's a question about the case that you just read. Now you have to answer it in front of the whole class. You can't pass, you have to answer it. And, um, you know, I going into law school, you know, I had no worries. I enjoyed my first year. I, I was good at what I was learning. I, I was, you know, very motivated. And um, and then suddenly I was I was hit with this condition that completely turned my world upside down and things that I was once confident with, I just withdrew into. Um, it made it very challenging to do everyday things. Um, you know, I, I started struggling with just keeping a meal schedule. I struggled horribly with sleep. I still do struggle with sleep. Um, sometimes I couldn't even get out of my house and, you know, there was a few professors, you know, I sat down with and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And, um, you know, I was just moved to Seattle the year prior. So I was still figuring out healthcare things. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to, how to tackle this. I have no safety net out here. So please bear with me through the struggle. Um, and ultimately I ended up, you know, seeing a couple doctors and they were just like, this is just, this is a panic disorder. Like you, and, and they said, uh, ultimately they were like, well, in order to control it, you are going to, you know, this isn't something that the level I was at, they said, this wasn't something that you can just meditate and deep breathe away. This is something that you're going to want medication to control at first. So that way you can, you know, because it was to the point where I'd have a panic attack so bad, I couldn't even get to the doctor. 
So they tackled that first. Um, I really didn't like that. So after a few, I went through a few prescriptions for lorazepam and went off that because, you know, I, there was a weak gap between one of my refills and I had horrible withdrawals and I'm like, I, I can't do it this way. Um, and just, you know, now, now that I've, you know, graduated law school, took the bar exam, I've moved back to Nebraska and I'm able to sit back and breathe and relax a bit. I've learned ways to, you know, tackle the, and just in retrospect, I never imagined that something that's and and you see it on social media. You see the way people call and treat it, you know, oh, a panic disorder. You know, it's it's almost, you know, it's often treated as this emotional thing, but people don't realize the impact it has on you, on those around you, the impact that it has on you physically. Um, I can't tell you how many times I'd go to the doctors, I'd have a panic attack, my blood pressure would spike. There was one time I was brought to the ER because it was uh, 170 over 120 or something like, or not 120, it was 170 over something. Um, and they said, you know, that's, that's a little worrisome. We're going to keep you here in the ER. And as soon as my panic attack went away, I was back down to normal. And um, some of the nurses found it amusing. I didn't find it amusing, but it just shows that, you know, something that people view as entirely mental can have so many impacts on everything from your own body to, you know, stopping your confidence and, and changing your routine. And it's, um, it's, it's something that needs a lot of attention brought to it. It's something that people should understand. You know, I've talked with other people in communities that have had similar experiences and sometimes hard to find people that can relate to you on that level. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, I came to you about this is because um, I, I was really interested in opening up, chatting with you on this topic, you know, maybe giving you some of my experience and advice, maybe hearing from you, your point of view. Uh, but it's important to come together for these sort of things, because that's the greatest point of healing is being able to share those experiences, understand them better, understand yourself better and heal around that. I I completely agree. Um you you made mention that is finding a ways to deal with um your like your attacks and for me i was having anxiety because i had uh through my years of not dealing with my pain and and the best word i have found for it and it's and i think it's important that i still use it that i was very desensitized by um by what what happened to me uh, at a young age that I just let it take the wheel like that darkness take the wheel and um, it was hard so when I started having the anxiety or panic attacks at night um, I had just pushed another person away again and it got to a point where you know I like the the small voice inside of me was like you can't keep doing this you cannot and so I like went back to therapy and I sat down and I, I told my therapist, I was like, I, I can't keep up with like, I'm having anxiety attacks now. And, and if, like that, that initial talk with her, like the panic attacks got, became not as severe. And I think by the, like the second and third talk, like they, they had dissipated completely because I started actually dealing with the core of what was wrong. Like it wasn't just, all right, we're talking and there's issues that I'm working through and that's great. But when I started figuring out the core of my issues and dealing with the core of my issues, like that stuff started slipping away. And then now I'm working on, uh, a, a like kind of a form of cognitive therapy where I kind of like split my mind and, and pay attention to what my body's doing so I can better resonate with myself and other people. But it, it is, very very strange it was always happening when i was sleeping like not during what i was times when i was awake as soon as head hit pillow and i would fall asleep whatever was in my dreams would rip me like i would be ripped right back out of it and i was like in a fetal position on my bed like hyperventilating and my heart was right i thought i was having a heart attack and it was wild like i was like i didn't know what to do i honestly didn't know that's when i put that message out there that feeling is is terrifying. And I mean, 
it, and it's weird how how these things can just start happening and and you're like okay well i i know i've had some things that i've been dealing with over my life but why now why does it happen right now why didn't it happen at the at the first moment that that led up to here you know why why did it take this long to develop um and it's it, it's it's confusing it is uh it is super confusing um it, it it is weird that i you know when once even though my friend was the impetus of me going back the reason why my butt was on my couch ultimately was my dad and you know it, it finally you know digging that part out made a change in me that was super like night and day difference because before um and i and, and everybody's different like y- while you were in law school and you were dealing with these things and having these anxiety attacks i mean how were you with people like how how was your relationships with like your fiance and, and like your your staff and everything like were, were you on edge with them or was it like like did you just apologize consistently and say i'm sorry like i'm going through some stuff or How'd that work out for you? Oh, that's a that's a challenging question. Um, I'm <laughs> happy to answer it. Um, I can tell you, if my fiance, it's a good thing my fiance's upstairs because if she was down here, she would be more than happy to open up a can of worms of how much she just wants to sometimes suffocate me with a pillow because of a panic <laughs> attack. Um, she she honestly has she's been an angel. She has held my hand through dealing with this. And and that's an important thing, you know, going back to, you know, outreach, it doesn't need to be a significant other. It can just be other people that are willing to sit down, understand you and help you. And it just takes one. And I had the best one and she's, and she continues to be, I mean, you know, we, we started learning before I got on lorazepam and stuff. Um, We started learning ways that we could, you know, help, tone down the panic attacks, help, help bring me back down to earth. So I could, you know, be a little more functional and, you know, and, and she, she would memorize those things. And as soon as, you know, she would, she would pick up on, okay, it looks like, you know, he, he's working up to the point he doesn't know it, but he might have a panic attack. I'm going to go start the valerian root tea. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to make sure he puts on, um, I had this really nice relaxing playlist of music. Um, just cause I'm one of those musically attuned sort of people, that stuff helps me a lot. Same. So we figured, you know, I, I figured out what songs, cause you know, there's, there's songs that would stress me out because just, I just, listen to music that way i i don't listen to lyrics i listen to the the actual sound coming out and um and that's where i get my enjoyment from and so i would figure out the things that you know uh the kind of music that made me fall asleep and i would start putting that stuff on because i uh we learned that if i watched something sentimental that made me emotional that for some reason blocked out some of the panic attack stuff um if i was drowsy that also helped um but like I said, I didn't like lorazepam. So we were like, okay, sleepy time teas, sleepy music, and maybe watching something on Lifetime, you know, that kind of thing. Because those seem to, you know, block out from my head, you know, when, you know, when I needed it, those seem to, you know, block out the the whole panic stuff. Um, but sometimes it would, you know, it would, she would just get annoyed with it. Cause you know, uh, she's been through a lot too. She also has, you know, issues with anxiety. Um, and so watching me go through a panic attack, it's, it's almost funny because, well, it's not really funny, but I would go through a panic attack. And then when I finally calm down and I get that rush of, you know, Oh, my panic attacks over my brain's releasing all the happier chemicals. Now I'm feeling better. This is good. I'd look over to her and she'd be super anxious. And I'm like, Oh no, I just passed it over to you. Um, and, and also, you know, dealing with things like, um, when, when they were first really, really bad, um, I had to stop taking public transit because I, I couldn't even make two buses to get to campus. And so she would grin and bear it and drive me through horrible, horrible Seattle traffic. We're talking Seattle. Like if you're familiar with the area, Mercer Avenue, rush hour, so on and so forth. Like she, she would 
she would take me through there on her own. She would take the time to, to, to just drive me because she knew I felt safer and, and, you know, being in the car with her was a lot less stress on my system than public transit. Um, I was able to wean myself back into taking public transit more and more. Um, so luckily that didn't last too long, but you know, you imagine, imagine having to cart somebody around, you know, even more than usual because, you know, especially if they have a panic attack in the car, that's, uh, that's rough. Um, as far as impact on things like working with my staff, I know, you know, I'm, I'm pretty transparent about it with a lot of my staff members. Um, just because sometimes, you know, I'll have highs and lows and, you know, I want them to understand, you know, that I, I try to be on all the time for them. I try to be a, a source of motivation, of inspiration. Uh, I try to get a lot of work done, but then there's times where, where I crash and, um, luckily, you know, I have, wonderful staff at a stage you're born. They're, they're all very understanding. You know, they, you know, nobody gets mad when I'm like, you know, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go. Or, you know, if I need to reschedule something because I'm not feeling well. Um, but that's part of having a, a team there, a supportive team, especially everyone on the team with the mission of making the arts more accessible. You know, we, we really take an understanding of these kind of things. Um, and it also helps that I'm not the only one in the organization that, that does have challenges like this. Um, so, you know, as far as that goes, you know, that's, that's good and understanding. Um, but then there's also challenges with, for example, you know, I was halfway through law school and there would be days where I, I couldn't get out of my apartment. And that's a bit challenging because, you know, there, there was a point where I did have to email administration because I, you know, they, there's these, you know, there's attendance requirements and, things like when you take your final exams, there's very specific things on that. And I realized I was like, well, I don't have like a, like a ADA accommodation that I need, but I have a problem that I need to take care of. And I was torn on, on how to address this. So, um, I know some professors were like, you know, some, some of the professors I had were so strict on attendance that I was scared that if I had a panic attack during class and had to leave, or if I had a panic attack and I couldn't get to class on time, that it would jeopardize my education. And we're talking six figures of debt. And so, you know, one of the things I did is just, I went to the Dean and I just poured my soul to her. It was one of the, it was, Sorry, pausing a second here. No, it's okay. It was no, probably okay. <laughs> it was probably one of the most difficult conversations I had in my time in law school. More difficult than any exam, more difficult than the bar exam that I just took. But sitting down and just explaining all the things that happened that led up to the problem I was encountering. Um and there were some things we were um Again, I'm not going to go too into specifics, but we were involved in an accident that had a fatality that left a very severe impression on my mind um, and a few other things. And those, you know, having to sit down and open up and and that's that's probably one of the absolute hardest things. And having somebody, you know, somebody who understands that sort of thing, somebody who's trained like a therapist, somebody who is basically an expert listener on these things having that helps to open up to because I broke down in the dean's office just explaining all the things that compounded to that moment. And I said, I just want, you know, and I had great grades. All my professors loved me. And I was just like, I just don't want this to jeopardize all the hard work I've done. But, you know, what's, what's going to happen? What do I need to know? What do I need to do? And, um, and it was funny because I, I I had sent an email explaining all of this beforehand so I could explain, you know, both talk about it when I got to the office, but also give her a prep on what I was going to talk about. And um, when I walked into their into her office, she slowly turned her chair towards the door, looked at me and said, Stephen, I just finished reading your email. And that was it. But it was also a huge relief off my shoulders because they were all very cooperative with me. It, I mean, you you read the handbook for the school and for exams and things, and they're like, you know, oh, if, you know, the ADA accommodation, you need to have a notice and things. And I'm like, but that's that's not me. I mean, I had a problem that was was 
you know, it was a, 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 a struggle with mental illness, but it wasn't like an official ADA accommodation sort of struggle. I didn't know if there was a line I could fall on. I didn't know if there was an exception or anything. It seemed like a hard line rule, but just sitting down and having an open and honest conversation, being one of the hardest things to do was probably one of the best things that I did because it led to me being able to actually, you know, tackle my actual concerns with graduating. I was able to graduate fine and on time, no problems, good grades. Um, and, you know, I learned that day that the, the administration for the school that I went to was, you know, very caring about their students. And that was a, that was a huge, huge relief to me. Um, and I think ultimately that was part of what helped me on the road to bettering myself as I am today. I, it's um i wanted to point out that the 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 fact that you said i you know one of the d most difficult talks you've ever had um i just went that through that recently with my dad uh sitting down and confronting him about what he had did to me like what 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 was ultimately the 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 reason why i was sitting in on that couch and you know i i needed him to to admit that he or own everything he did to me and it was really really difficult because I didn't want to make that phone call but there was that fire like that fire in my my stomach saying the only way you're going to get better is if you make that phone call and he do and my therapist said like do it while he's alive and she didn't expect me to do it like from moment of Wednesday of therapy appointment to that Saturday to have that talk she had no idea I never told her I'm going to go do it this weekend. I just did it. And, you know, my, my relationship with my dad is rough. Like, I don't, I, I barely see him. I barely talk to him. Um, it was always hard to to make that connection with him and to, and to sit down. And, and the only couple of words I got out of my mouth were, hey, bro, you really fucked me up. <laughs> and and for him to take the conversation, like, I, 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 I completely agree, son, I did. And I own everything. It was cathartic and shocking like I like I, I remember um you know we, we were, were on a, a server together uh, not a stage report server on a different server and uh it's a good place kind of like to vent sometimes for I think all of us and uh I remember uh someone who uh Sarah who recorded an episode with me uh yesterday even made he like he went in there even said like he talked to his dad and he's he's processing and I did it took me almost 24 hours to like get my mental capacity back up it's it's not easy having those talks it's it wears on you because you don't want you don't want to have them you you everything in your body says don't do that but for in the end it was the best thing and I could do for myself because now I'm over that hill and I was the biggest hill so it's, I think it's important, like I, and, and anybody that's, you know, like I said, anybody that's listening to this, I think one, you know, Steve would agree with me uh, that, you know, even though that those talks may be really difficult and you don't want to do them, sometimes it's the best thing for you because it'll, in the long run, it, you'll be benefited that more than hurt. Absolutely. I agree. And, and the other thing too is, you know, uh, one thing to point out is you is it is it safe to assume that you knew that you needed to have this talk someday yes <laughs> it would <laughs> and, and and a lot of it was because and i and i hate and i and i, I don't like dwelling on it so much um and i and i try not to think about it but like how i treated people in the in my past is how I was essentially becoming my father. Like I, I became my dad and I became the thing I, I hated the most. Right. Like I, I essentially said, I'm not, I, and I've always told myself when I was younger, I'm never going to be that. I'm never going to be that guy. Fuck that guy. I'm never going to be him. And I became him because it was all I ever knew. And when I was so, I was so desensitized to it, it kind of just took the wheel and, and the person who I was and I know and, and the thing is coming on the flip side of this I'm not sh too sure who I am like I'm trying to figure out that now which which is a great place to be I'd rather be 
unsure of who I am than accept that I'm that other person who wanted to re- mm-hmm. reject people out of his life. So, so like things like Final Fantasy 14 and, and these gaming communities, I mean, it was easy for me to be like, I can just disappear for a while and not deal with people. And but it it's the people that were constantly in my life that got hit the hardest. And they're, you know, and like Shin and I had a long phone call last night because I haven't talked to him in like two months. But he told me to focus on myself and I did. And he said, you know, just you need time for you. He's like, I, and he's like, and that's going to, he's like, you can't worry about me. You need to go to handle your stuff. And I said, okay. And I did. I listened to him. He, I have, he's, he's a very good friend. He's, he's never told me what I wanted to hear. He's always told me what I needed to hear. And, and as hard as that is for a friend, he's that friend. And so, and he even, he's gotten the brunt of it before too. And he knows that he's, he's never, he's just stubborn <laughs> like he's, and and uh and he has he's he's he knows I, i've gotten to like verbal visceral arguments with him and and it's hard for people to see me in that light because i don't always do it to everyone but there's other people i have and it sucks because it's it i i don't want to say I, I i'm not an abusive person right i'm like i'm not I'm not trying to verbally hurt people mentally i just wanted people to leave and and for me to be alone because I accepted that a long time ago I was just alone and that I couldn't trust people because I had an abandonment issues and stuff like that like I just assumed everyone was going to leave me eventually even if they weren't like even if there there was no intention of them leaving so I had friends that were trying to make me a better FC leader or a better podcaster or or even just just a better raid lead whatever the case was or just just a just just to support me just support me and my brain was like you need to like reject it was instantly the abort button was hit and everything it was like I'm playing chess game with these people and I was always trying to be three moves ahead and all those moves were essentially how to get them out of my life and it sucks because through my years there were some amazing people that truly cared about me truly knew my past didn't care wanted me to get like wanted to see me succeed wanted to get me help and they're gone like and it sucks because you know it's hard to it's hard to go back and be like hey i'm a different person now could i find them sure um but it's hard and the person that i I did that recently to i mean they have every right to tell me to fuck off (laughs) they have every every i mean I, i they can they have every right I, and I don't expect them to be like, yeah, no, yeah, all is, all is forgiven, friend. Come on back. And that sucks. But I'm, I'm, I still, and sometimes those discussions happen after the fact that you make those breakthroughs, right? Like you realize like, but it's hard. Sometimes I think it's hard, you know, for you, you, like you said, you had your fiance and she's, she was, you, and you said you were very lucky and very understanding. I think that this person was that for me but I didn't seek the help fast enough for them to try to help me as much as they were even if it was just not even listening but just even like trying to get me to focus on other things like hey you know you can we can do we can play Final Fantasy 14 and focus on that and we can work on this together and we can do teamwork stuff and and I, looking back on it now, I would have preferred that to, I mean, I, I still needed the therapy, but I think having that in my life would have made all the difference because I would have had someone who honestly just wanted to support me, even just as a friend that way, and just say, I get it, and I'm just going to hang out with you, and it's going to be fun, and you'll have somebody, and it's going to be cool, and you'll have a friend here. And what, like, because Shin was burning out of the game, so I didn't have Shin anymore to lean on in the game. And, uh, man, it's just, it's, you think back and, like, shit, that sucks. <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, I'm, the, I, I experienced, it's not the same kind of loss, but it's, you know, one of those things where you lose it and you realize you'll never have that opportunity again. You might have similar opportunities in the future, but they're not that opportunity 
or that person that you lost. And, um, you know, going back to law school, one of the big things was networking. I mean, you know, mixers and, and hackathons and all sorts of things, you know, would go on. And, um, and so one of the things that happened is, you know, I would, I had some friends during law school and, you know, sometimes they would occasionally message me, Hey, there's a, you know, here, here's an event coming up or, Hey, do you want to go to this mixer? They're going to have drinks and whatnot. Pouring myself a little coffee. Well, at least just came downstairs to pour me a cup of coffee. She's like I said, she is amazing. And, uh, and a bonus cup. (laughs) Thank you. Oh goodness. I like, uh, I like, I like the bonus cup is great. It's a, it's a, it's actually, it's, it's almost a shame we don't have video here because it's, um, it's this beautiful gigantic blue mug that says barely awake and it's a little bear with a caption. Life is good. (laughs) I need that. (laughs) You know, I need that. I'll, I'll send you a picture. I think I can't remember where she got it, but anyway, going back to, to losses, um, I missed out on a, a huge number of networking events. And some of those were actually when I was working at Wizards of the Coast. And and that's an opportunity I may never have in my life again. And, you know, it would be things like, you know, they would they would have um, I think it was Wednesdays. They would have free pizza and and just gaming in the in the open, uh, basically the cafeteria in the bottom floor. And I remember several times, you know, I'd be walking out from end of my day and I would feel like, you know, that 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 pre panic attack feeling. And I'm like, okay, I got to get on the bus. I got to get back to my apartment. You know, I need to, I need to attack this before I spiral out into something terrible. I got to make sure I take care of myself here. And I'd be walking by and, and the guy outside the cafeteria be like, Hey, do you want to come in for some pizza and gaming? And I'm like, free food, hanging out with people. I'm, I'm incredibly social. Like in undergrad, I was, I was everywhere. And so when this panic disorder hit me, it was so disheartening because I was the guy that went everywhere and did everything. Like I loved going out all the time, never wanted to sleep. And, um, and here I am at my dream job at the happiest place in the world. Wizards of Coast is really one of the happiest places in the world. I swear, at least for me. And I'm like, I can't. And I, I couldn't, you know, I, I didn't want to say I have a panic disorder and I just can't do this. And so often, whenever I get invited to things, I would just be like, "Oh, I've got, I've got some um, a brief for legal writing. I got to really crack down on." Or, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm feeling a, a little iffy. My stomach's not feeling that great. So I was just gonna go home and you know eat eat a soup or something for dinner and relax." And I just come up with these excuses of you know the reasonable things, but excuses ultimately for why my panic disorder was not allowing me to have fun. And I started, you know, and. What really disappoints me, and I know I can't change it, is how much time that I've lost to rather than fixing the problem and going, hey, my panic disorder is stopping me from going out and being social and networking like I used to. How can I fix that first? Instead of doing that, I found ways to get back to my safe space. And so while it's good to have things that help you, it's also important to confront them. And and sometimes, you know, the the big talk that is the biggest hill to get over, sometimes it takes little talks to get up to there. You talk to somebody about your problem, they lead you to somebody else, that leads you to therapy. A therapist lays out a plan for you and you and and then you get the inspiration and courage to tackle that. And I I feel that's what you did here. You 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 made amazing progress in in doing the things you did. And we can't turn back on the things that we lost and, you know, over-focus on them. The more important thing is to focus on the tomorrow. So when I finally, you know, I got out of Seattle and ultimately I moved, I moved back to Nebraska. One, I weirdly love it here. Two, the biggest thing was the cost of living and the opportunities for me were not that great in Seattle. A lot of it because in my industry, in law, a lot of it is about networking. And that's something that I let my panic disorder take from me. I could have, maybe, maybe I could have done more and gotten a really nice, you know, fun job. Maybe, maybe I could have ended up working at Wizards of the Coast after I graduated rather than just an externship. I won't know. And I have to accept that and move forward with that lesson. And, um, and so, you know, that's the, that's the kind of loss that I experienced from it. 
And um, now I'm making it a point to, you know, now that I'm out in Nebraska, I'm like, there's, it's a smaller area. There's not as much going on. Um, But I tackled my big problem at first. And I said, I'm not going to let my panic disorder do that again. And even though I don't live in Seattle, I live in a town that needs opportunity. So I got involved in a economic development steering committee for the region. Like they, uh, it's called the uh, seeds and they work on a strategy plan that goes into getting economic development funds from the state. And it's, it's a big deal. And I, I figured out, I, I can't tell you how I did it, but I just, I tried, you know, talking to people, learning myself and everything. I, I figured out how I could solve the problem I had in law school. What was keeping me from networking and going out and doing good things? And I fixed it. And I got myself involved in that steering committee. I went out to friends of mine that I have in this area that have small businesses. And I just, I threw myself to the wolves and I said, I'm going to find a way. And, and, you know, I was open and transparent with them. I said, I do have a Saturday meeting to work on your website and some social media strategy. You know, I apologize if I, you know, I would let them know in advance, especially that day, if, if I wasn't feeling good, I'm like, Hey, you know, it's, you know, I had a panic attack. It's rough. I might have to reschedule it. Usually, you know, we, we work it out and, and they're very amicable about it. Um, but I, I didn't let myself lose opportunity. I, I just started saying I need to take opportunity and I need to figure out the best way to work around you know, my, my challenges, because that's one of the, you know, and mentally I, 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 I feel against it. I want to say that's not the right way to do it, but, but the real way to do it is to, you know, sit down and go, I need to tackle these problems head on. And, and people will just naturally resist that sort of strategy, but it is the best way because in participating in that, in that committee and helping out my friends that have small businesses and, and doing the things I do for state, a stage reborn, like the, the stage reborn live, uh, webisodes that we have coming up, you know, getting on stream is hard for me, but I am, you know, God, gosh, darn it. I'm going to get around it. I'm going to figure out how to do this. And the more, you know, the first hill was really hard, you know, the, or the first little hill was, you know, getting myself back out there. That's a hard one, but then the next one's easier. And then the next one's easier. And so now I've I've got all these wonderful things going on in my life that are are well one they're keeping me very busy but they're also you know getting me back to the normal me that I was before this whole condition arose. I still have a lot of work to do, but it just goes to show that loss sucks and you can't change it. But going forward, you can make things so much better. And you know what? If you know going forward maybe you know, maybe, maybe I lost the opportunities I had in Seattle from those years I was there because of my condition, but it doesn't mean that all my opportunities are lost forever. If I fix things now, I'll have a potential for those opportunities to happen again. Maybe not the same exact opportunities, but, but good opportunities, better opportunities, just because I didn't call it quits, just because I recognized my losses and said, I got to move forward from this and I got to do better and I, I will do better for myself. And, you know, I seeing some of the messages and things that you've sent and things you've talked about, you know, I, I see you heading in that direction too. And that, that excites me, not just because, you know, I, I care about you as a friend, as a fellow content creator, but it's inspirational to see somebody also dealing with struggles, somebody that you can relate to, somebody that you can bounce thoughts off of. You know, maybe it's not the same experience and we can't relate on that core level, but it's still, it's, it's another person in this army of people that are, are working to better themselves, their lives and the lives of those around them. And to, you know, and to not reflect on those losses as, as big losses, but to, to learn from them and do the future. And that's, that's what really inspires me. It. It inspires me as well. Like uh, now that I've, I mean, I took a break for a few weeks from the game. I hadn't, I hadn't talked to my friend in a, a while. Uh, we had a cordial, like, you know, mount run. And it, I think it was weird for them a little bit more so than me. But I think, I think part of it is that I don't want to, I'm not, uh, there's some parts of me that I, that I think are, were constant they were buried but they were constants right i'm still learning who this new person is but there's still parts of me i feel like i knew were always there 
I'm, I'm a very strong person. Like I, I, have, a, I have a presence about me. Um, and it's, and this is, and this is nothing like I'm tooting my own horn or anything like that. This is stuff like even my therapist said about me. Cause I had, my confidence was shot completely at the, like at the beginning of this, even after my dad's talk. So she had a long talk about me, about, mm-hmm. about, me about my, my self-awareness, like how I, I see myself. And she's like, I need you to stop for a second. You need to take a deep breath at night. You need to hear this because you should hear it. And she's like, when you walk in here, you have a very commanding presence. You're very charming. You have the gift of gab. You're very handsome. And she's like, you're super intelligent. She's like, you are always those things. You will always be those things. And you need to believe in yourself that you are those things. So I made it a point as I was coming back to the game and stuff like that, because I'm an FC leader. I'm also this, I'm a content creator and stuff like that, but I haven't been, you know, I haven't been confident in my content. I haven't been confident as FC leader. I haven't been confident as a friend, but now I'm, I'm, you know, I had a four hour conversation until 7 a.m. in the morning with Shin. I had, um, you know, it was very, I made sure when I was coming back that I'm, I made sure that I, I started meeting the people that had had joined not only while I was gone but even prior because I was so antisocial and it's and it's not right because my my officers who you know are amazing you know I'm over there I'm just like (laughs) and so now I made it a point to talk to them and introduce myself and and get them to know me and you know get them to laugh you know and 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 part of it is uh when uh like one one of those people saw my message about the thing. It's actually in one of the groups I ran with, and he's from the one from Balmung, and he's like, he's like the other night during the Mount Farm, he's like, I noticed when you were talking, it seemed very radio like. You have a very radio esque voice, and I was like, well, I do host podcasts. And he's like, he's like, man, it's it's, just, it's like a very confident sounding voice, and I said, prior and you know when we had the discussion, so prior to my therapy I was confident sitting in this chair talking to this mic because I and I because I was like I sat in and I pretended I was Flattis the content creator and now since I'm abolishing the name Flattis and just stepping into myself I'm, I'm confident in my skills not only as a content creator but as a person you know I'm I, I've been a manager for years I've been a successful manager I've gone to the Disney Institute to learn management skills and stuff like that I've you know, I've run guilds and wow since I was young. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, now and the most important thing that I'm going to take to these people now is what I've learned. And, and I haven't, what I haven't done in a long time is that it's about teamwork. It's about these, these connections I can make with all these people. Because when I go to a, a next fan fest, right? Like this last fan fest, and I hate to say it, this last fan fest, I was surrounded by amazing people. Pat was there, Emmy from Musecast, like all these amazing people, my shin, and I felt very alone. I, and I, and I, that should have been my red flag, right? Like my last warning sign that my desensitization finally got to a point where I could be surrounded by people and so desensitized that I don't, I can make myself feel alone, surrounded by people, and that wasn't good. Because there were so many fun people there. And I, I internally I had fun. Like I was like, yeah, I got to see the news and everything. And we, we drank and we went to the parties. And But when I left, I was like, I don't think I made the impression I wanted to make on, the, on all, the, all my friends. And, and, and I realized that when one, one person we both know said, you're not the person I expected you to be. And that should have been eye-opening. <laughs> and and it, and and I, I I was like I'm sorry like I, I'm not like outside the show I'm a very quiet person in general, but I don't think it was just the quiet thing. It was I think they expected like you know you're not joking you're not like it seemed very odd for them that the person they knew not even on the show but off the show because we've, we've talked to this person off the show before. Um, so it was, it was, it was a little eye opening. It was eye opening then. I just don't, I don't think it would, it didn't, it didn't raise the flag like it should have. So, um, we are coming up on that mark though. Uh, Wander, is there anything you wanted to say before you got out of here or anything you wanted to add? 
Hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's things on my mind I could I could bring up and talk, but there's there's nothing, you know, uh, that I can think of in the moment. Is did you have any questions for me about about things in general, thoughts, feedbacks, um, questions about stuff I've mentioned? Um, I I, I did. I mean, we, we like. I have one thing, I, and I think I think the, the most important part, like for me, was that you gave really great advice for me on like how to handle the attacks. Um, if somebody is dealing with that but not hasn't properly started to seek the help they need, what what do you think is the best advice you can give them to maybe help them deal with it until they can go seek out therapy or or psychiatry to to get medicated? Oh, I mean, the the main slash first thing I would mention is is kind of your mileage may vary. Um, I think I actually said those specific words in, in the message I sent. Uh, it was like, you know, just FYI, because, um, you know, these these kind of things, it's it's different for everybody. Um, so what works for one person might not work for another. And don't let that scare you or put you off. You know, you one of the things and I've I've talked to um other people before about this sort of thing and, and it's it's a, often it's an annoyance for people it's when you tell somebody you open up and you're like hey i just i'm having it you know i'm i'm starting to experience panic attacks they're creeping me out uh, i didn't realize how physical like how physically involved they can get um what do i do and they're just like oh just you know do some deep breathing and listen to music and it'll be like the 10th person that has told you that and that doesn't work for you and so don't get frustrated because you know i mean that shouldn't be the response that people give you know it's it's something that is going to change for every individual so you know with that disclaimer you know if none of this helps i apologize and and don't give up seeking out something that does work for you because everyone will be different um so like i mentioned before um i i figured out that um powerful emotions or things like drowsiness that would um and not saying go substance abuse don't do that if you take medication get it through a doctor get the right one for you that works for you your mileage may also vary with that but you know for me it was um things like getting watery eyed at a lifetime movie or listening to music and drinking sleepy time tea um, or like well the well-rested tea from Trader Joe's, you know, those kind of things that put me in kind of like this, I'm about to fall asleep feeling, um, taking a nap, trying to get myself to, you know, find what steps to take to get myself into that feeling. That helped take the edge off of many of these panic attacks. Um, it's my go-to now whenever I start to feel like I might be winding up to be too anxious. I just put in some well-rested tea. If I need to, I'll go and I'll I'll get some of the, the drowsy-inducing music that I listen to usually at night before going to bed. Um, you know, I, I, I get those things in because those, for some reason, are prioritized in my brain over the fight or flight that panic attacks bring on um good rest and eating healthy i know it's overstated a million times and i'm sorry for giving one of those answers that you always see and hear but one thing i noticed is if i fell asleep too late and i woke up too early that almost always predisposed me to having a panic attack during the day it's hard for, especially for a lot of content creators like us, like we're, we're night owls. We like staying up late. We like being online and chatting on discord and, and, and playing our games. Um, but sometimes, you know, you kind of just, you, you know, journal it, it'll help you figure out your parameters because I know like I'll fall asleep or I'll be, you know, looking at the clock and I'll say, okay, if I stay up for another two hours, I'm taking this much time off of my sleep. And I know when I have only that much sleep, I usually am anxious the next day. So then I try to make sure, you know, okay, I got to start shutting things down earlier to make sure that I get that, you know, the minimum amount of time that my body is okay functioning on. Uh, because, and this is maybe particular for my panic disorder, but mine is very sensitive to physical sensation and things. Like if I, if another thing I notice is when I start to get sick, like a cold or the flu, I'm more prone to having a anxiety or panic uh episode and so i'm hyper aware of that and i you know i learn these things and i take preventative measures again learning what what things are good preventative measures that keep you in a better mental state um eating healthy was another thing for me 
I I usually eat healthy most of the time. Sometimes, yeah, I'll, I'll have a little bit of a chocolate binge episode every now and then. I'm really bad at convincing everybody in the house that every now and then we need a bag of sweets to enjoy. Um, I'm usually better than that, though. But one thing I noticed is um, when I was really, really on strict keto, and that's one of the things that super duper worked for me. When I was on strict keto, I had almost no anxiety problems, period. I can't believe how that worked for me. I still don't really believe it, but it it just it worked for me because I was I was tracking things and I was eating, you know, I was watching my my intake and my macros and I was getting my nutrients and and um the the carbs ended up being one of the problems for me. And I I learned that sugar and carbs um and also anything that because I've had acid reflux since I was a kid. So anything that put pressure on my digestive tract because of my GI issues, um, that seemed to tax my body the same way as not getting enough sleep. So if I was eating too much bread or if I was eating something, you know, I, I love spicy food, but there's a limit for me. Like I have no spice tolerance, but, but I know there's a limit where if I go too much on it, it's going to put me at a predisposition for a panic attack. Um, and, and those were things I learned because, you know, one of the things when I first experienced these, a lot of the advice that came to me was, oh, do all of these mental related activities. And what it came down to me was physical related activities that helped with prevention. Um, and sometimes these things won't work or will have the opposite effect. One piece of advice I was once given was if you feel anxious hop on the treadmill or go for a jog and, and, you know, work yourself, you know, do a bit of a workout and that'll get it out of your system. Um, so I did that and I had probably one of the worst panic attacks I ever had because of it. I learned that because the, you know, the way my, my brain was improperly wired to interpret physical sensation, um, you know, the increased heart rate, the, basically the fight or flight that you experience when working out and stuff like that, getting your body going, that compounded my panic feelings. And um, so I learned that exercise was something I should not do when I'm not feeling good, but I should do it when I'm feeling good because then it would help me when I wasn't feeling good. Cause you know, you, you, you just, you need to learn where to, where to place the appropriate activities throughout your day and with how you're feeling. Um, because exercise really is also a good, important part of feeling healthy um, and, and improving yourself, feeling, you know, mentally well, and then so I would I would take advantage of that. So even though it wouldn't be used to tackle a panic episode when I felt good, I would say, hey, I'm going to go for a walk because I feel good. I'm not predisposed to a panic because I'm eating right, sleeping right. And I did my preventative stuff. So I'm going to go for a walk now to feel good while feeling good. And that helped adding the positives together and then adding preventative stuff when you are more sensitive. Um, and that was probably one of the best things that I figured out. And I probably should have journaled all of this. I didn't. I kind of regret not doing that. Uh, I'm probably going to start journaling it this year, though, because I, I want to learn more about that kind of thing and how it works for me. Um, but journaling it really helps because then, you know, even if you don't know and you can't figure out what's working and not working for you, you have a record. You can, you can do process of elimination. You can take it to therapy and say, here's the things, you know, it's, it's like, I mean, not, not to be insensitive, but it's almost like calling tech support and, and figuring out how to get around the stupid questions they ask you. Did you plug it in and or did you, un did you unplug it and plug it back in? Turn it off and on. And, and what you do is you create this, this help support desk list for yourself. And then you can hand it anytime you find a resource on how to tackle your problem. You can just say, here is what I did and the results. You don't have to give me the customer service runaround. You can skip your script your boss gave you and get right to the meat of the problem. And, and that will help take a lot of the time out of figuring out what works for you. Because, you know, a lot of times what happens is people that don't track this thing or, or try to be aware of it, they, they end up trying to reinvent the wheel over and over again. Um, so sorry to go on a spiel there, but that's, you know, that, that was my experience in how to tackle it um, before I was able to, you know, talk to doctors and, and figure out you know, the medical side of, of, of treating things. Um, and that's what I even do to this day to help myself. And, 
your mileage may vary, but for me, these, this approach has been what really helped me. I, I can't agree more. I've, I've been journaling and now I don't even have a pen and paper. I actually journal on my phone because I tend to just have my phone with me. And I know that's probably not a great idea because really want to shut down from all tech. Um, but it's, um, but it, it, works, it works better for some. Yeah. So I, I sit there and I've, I, I typed in, I've always typed in like what I like initially, like even before, while I was going through therapy, I was like telling myself, like, I need to focus on the things that, um, you know, what I was doing to myself, not, not only to other people, but to myself. And part of it was, I was looking at the, the, um, the, the aspects of like ego, how I was letting ego control things. Um, like I even, I saved it on my phone, so I just have it. It's like, I, I was, I was driven by ego. Uh, I wanted others to submit to me. Uh, I was reactive to people instead of like looking at my best term interests and long-term matter, uh, long-term goals for not only myself, but for like the things I'm invested in. Um, I devalued others. Uh, I wanted power in my relationships versus value. Uh, let's see. I'm just going through like my list of my, my list of crap. Uh, I had like just this long resentment, but it was always towards my dad. And, uh, and then I was, always, and then I always felt like, like the thing, the most important thing to me was, and this is like the biggest thing was my resent. Like I was so angry. Like, in, like I was, every day I was just angry. Like, fuck, fuck my dad. Like, fuck that guy. And now I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the flip side of that. And I, you know, I want, I want just my like my emotional well-being and for for myself and and for the people I care about around me because I I am ultimately in a strong belief that if I put out this positivity and this light and this this love that I have not only for myself and for others like it'll it'll spread and people start seeing me for this new person I am and so I always keep like my 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 short my short seven deadly sins as I call them <laughs> as a small reminder of like why I don't want to be that again. So it's good to keep that stuff. Cause like you said, it's, it's, it's your, it's your short, you know, your fix. And then you, I always track like if I'm having, if I f- start to feel mad or upset or if I want to, like I start like what is causing it? And I t- that's when I take a step back and I start to do that cognitive uh, body thing my therapist says. And I, and I split my mind and, and I start to pay attention. And and the next thing I know, it goes away, like instantly goes away because I start to resonate with myself. So it's getting so, it's- so much easier. Like every day it's getting so much easier. Like it's it's it's, it's pretty great. It's so it's it, it feels good. Like like I, it feels good to like step away from that. So I, I completely get what you're saying. Um, so I think, I think we went a little bit longer, but that's, that's completely okay. And I think, I think we, we both talked and hit amazing points and, um, want, uh, <laughs> Steve, AK water. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you, your stuff and what you're doing? Sure. So, um, it was mentioned earlier. I am the founder, uh, executive director and president of a nonprofit called the stage reborn. We make the arts more accessible through transformative works like MMO, RPG theater, digital choir workshops to do things like teach actual acting method through discord and video games. And you can find all information about us at www.astagereborn.com. We're on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, all sorts of social media. Just Google A Stage Reborn if you want to learn more about us. Uh, we are a 501c3. We are a charity. Um, so take a look for upcoming events. We like doing things like Extra Life, Twitch streams on weekends. Um, so go ahead and check us out. You can also join our Discord at discord.gg slash reborn. That's the invite code, all one word. And it's a public server. So anybody can come to us, use our server for anything. We got social rooms. We got rooms for gamers, raiders. We've got rooms for artists, cosplayers, creatives. Um, so join us. It's a fun community, supportive community, and we do neat things. And as always, uh, you can find us at maelstromradio.com. Uh, that's, uh, and of course you can find us on Twitter at maelstrom underscore radio. And as I said before, you can email show at maelstromradio.com. If you have any 
if you need to chat, if you need to reach out, if you want to talk to us, let us know. Just send us that message. Our DMs are open. Our email is open to you. Um, you know, these episodes are, are here just uh, so we can start having this open discussion and, and remove the stigma from not talking about mental health. Um, thank you, Steve. I appreciate your time. And uh, for the next episode, I believe is going to be Arcian, who is a gamer in the Final Fantasy XIV and other games. And she, much like me, had, <laughs> grew up in Florida, and I believe her story is, uh, is uh, somewhat close to mine. So uh, that will be the next episode. Uh, see you all next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Here With Me. Please stay tuned for more episodes in the series.